Hello and welcome to The Green Hornet from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies who try to destroy our America. With his faithful Barrett Cato, Britt Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed in the thrilling adventure, Stolen Identity. The Green Hornet strikes again! The parking lot behind the Civic Club was dark. The attendant had gone off duty, and a man who waited behind Andrew Blake's heavy car with a handkerchief over his face was quite alone. Then he heard footsteps on the gravel. He knew his vigil was finished. That's Blake, all right. Andrew Blake drew a leather key case from his pocket as he neared his car. He unlocked and opened the car door. All right, mister. Get him up. Look. What is this? Keep quiet. Hand over your wallet. Oh, robbery, eh? You'll find the pickings rather slim. The cards weren't running my way tonight. I'll take that chance. You're taking quite a chance when you rob me. Here's the wallet. And here is... Your fault, Blake. I hope I haven't fractured your skull. If I have, you had it coming. The man in the car pulled the handkerchief from his face as he drove from the parking lot. He shot into the street without looking, and then... Hey, look out! Of all the crazy goons. Come on, expert. What's the matter with you, anyhow? Uh, I lost control of the car. Let's see your driver's license. Uh, yes. uh, somewhere in this wallet. Let's see your identification. Here, uh, take the wallet. You can Let see, me see that it, I... Mark. Hold your flashlight closer. Let's see who he is. Blake. Andrew Blake. Hey, he's a big name around town. Hey, come back here. By God, he burst his mouth. He's done a hit and run. Get in, expert. We'll chase him. was nearly noon the next day. Britt Reed, owner of the Daily Sentinel, had just reached his office. Miss Case, his secretary, sat near his desk, her pencil poised to take dictation. But Britt was scanning the newspaper. And listen to this, Miss Case. Blake got away from the police car. (laughs) 
Imagine Blake, Andrew Blake, running from the police. Well, there's something almost weird about it, Mr. Reed. That's not like Andrew Blake. Uh, the old stuffed shirt. Oh, he may be a stuffed shirt, but he's not a lawbreaker. Far from it. Well, he's the most dignified man. Uh-oh. Hey, Lee, did you see about Andrew Blake? Yes. I called that story in last night. <laughs> By golly, it hit page one. I was with Sergeant Burke when Blake nudged Fenders. Why did Blake run? That, Reed, I don't know. Whilst me and Burke looked at his identification, he put the car in gear and took off like a rocket. Are the police still looking for him? That they are. <laughs> I wonder why he ran away. It isn't like Blake. He's always been a stickler for law and order. Something curious about this, actually. I got it, Reed. That's just what I was telling Burke. I, I uh... want to see you, Reed. Andrew Blake. Well, this is a surprise. Huh? I understand you're being hunted by the law. I am not. I just came from police headquarters. And now I propose to deal with you, sir. This article has made me a laughingstock. It's libelous. Libelous? What do you mean, Blake? Isn't it true? There's not a word of truth in it. Who wrote this story? What about this, actually? Huh? What story is that? This. This story marking me, Andrew Blake, is a fugitive from justice. Think fast, Michael. What about it, Axford? Yes, what about it? Well, golly, there's a mistake somewhere. This isn't the guy that smashed into Burke's car. Indeed, I'm not. I thought you identified the man as Andrew Blake. Well, golly, he showed us his wallet. We saw his membership card in the Civic Club and some other cards. You can ask Burke. He's still got the wallet. I have the wallet right here. The police returned it to me. Well, just what did happen, Mr. Boy? I'll tell you what happened. I went to the parking lot behind the Civic Club to get my car. A man was waiting for me. He knocked me out, stole my wallet, and stole my car. Then he was the one that drove away. Yes. And while you were chasing my car, I lay unconscious in the dark parking lot. I didn't recover until about three this morning when I went home in a cab. I reported my car stolen and went to bed. This morning, people began calling, laughing at me. And then the police came. I'm sorry, Blake. I demand a retraction, and I'll have damages. We'll print a retraction, but there'll be no damages. Oh, there won't, eh? Well, I'll sue you for $100,000, and what's more, I'll collect. Blake, don't you start anything you'll regret. I'll not regret it, but you will. Holy crow, what did I start? Listen to me, he's a stuffed shirt, a phony. No man can possibly be as goody-good as he pretends to be. If he starts a lawsuit, we'll have to know all about him. Get facts about his past. Right. Dig into every deal he's ever made. I'll send Lowry out to investigate him through his neighbors. Now who? Oh, Sergeant Burke. Come in, Burke. What are you doing here, Burke? Uh, uh, Mr. Reed, <laughs> I thought you and Axford would like to know we located Andrew Blake's car. It was in the smash-up near Centerville. The guy that stole it is in the Centerville Hospital. What's his name? Jimmy Anderson. He was out of his head for a while, but... And uh, uh, this is curious. He kept saying Blake had swindled him. Yeah? What else did he say? That's all. He stopped talking when he got conscious. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry for the lad. Sorry for him? How's that? Yeah, he's had tough luck since he got out of the army. A lot of sickness with his wife and kid, and he's broke, too. Worried he is about his hospital bill and, and about what he'd done and, and his wife. It sounds and... like the jackpot for a soft sister. I'll, uh... Call on him. You uh, you say it's the Centerville Hospital? Oh, I was just dumb. 
to think I could get away with it, Mr. Reed. Jimmy wouldn't have done anything wrong, Mr. Reed, if we... If we hadn't been so hard up. And even so, he wouldn't try to rob anyone but Andrew Blake. Here, Jimmy. Let me fix your pill. Maybe Blake had it coming. He swindled you, didn't he? Who told you? Didn't he? Yes. Yes, he did. Now, Mary, Well, I'm going to tell Mr. Reed. Blake told you your traffic light was hardly worth anything. Now he'll make a fortune on it. Traffic light? Yes. Councilman Wiggins has convinced the other members of the council that the city should install new traffic lights. The never-fail light. Jimmy invented that light and sold it for almost nothing to Andrew Blake. Oh, so Blake owns the patent rights, eh? Yeah. Well, $500 looked big just before I went into the army. He offered that much, so I took it. Jimmy's a good mechanic, Mr. Reed. If he just got a chance. If Mr. Blake would only give us a chance, we'll pay for the damage to his car somehow. But if he sends Jimmy to jail... Maybe we can find some way to get you another chance, Jimmy. Oh, gosh, Mr. Reed. I've got no right to make you a lot of trouble. Oh, don't worry about it, Jimmy. Look here. What's the catch? Why are you interested in me? Jimmy, I... I didn't get into the service. The War Department said I'd better stay in the job where I was. Well, I... I've got sort of a debt to you guys that did the fighting. I'll see you again before you get out of here. I've got to get back to my office. But, Mr. Reed... And don't worry about the hospital bill. Hobby! Yes, Mr. Gunnigan. Take this up to the composing room right away. Yes, sir. Hey, Joe! How about that city hall stuff? Coming up. City desk, Gunnigan speaking. No, he's not back from Centerville yet. Stay right where you are, Laurie, and keep calling. I don't know. Reed's handling this himself. I'm just going along for the ride. Move out of the back seat, Gunnigan. Huh? Oh, hello, boss. I, I didn't hear you come in. Say, uh, you're going to have trouble with Blake. Yeah? The lawyer phoned. He said it looks bad. Blake swings a lot of weight around this town. Gunnigan, what do you know about this Wiggins on the city council? Wiggins? What about him? Well, uh, what's this traffic light he's trying to sell the city? I don't know much about it. It's some new kind of light. It's pretty good, I guess. Chances are the city will adopt it at the next meeting at the council. Yeah, I see. Well, uh, who gets the gravy? Gravy? Well, the graft, the payoff. Oh. Wiggins is one of those men that would never have been elected if people checked up on candidates before they cast their vote. Wiggins is on the council for all he can get out of it. Maybe, but why are you asking about that? Oh, listen, Gunnigan, we may have something by the tail. That uh, kid in the hospital, Jimmy Anderson, do you know why he slugged Blake? For dough. He invented a traffic light, the never-failed traffic light. What? Are you kidding? No, he uh, sold out for 500 bucks. Who do you think he sold it to? Blake, and it ties in with what Lowry reported. Lowry? Yeah, he got next to a maid in Blake's home, and she told him Blake had a date to meet Councilman Wiggins. Where? The Manhattan Club tonight, in the private room. Tonight, eh? The council meets on Friday. Gunnigan, maybe it's the payoff. What time's the meeting? Ten o'clock. But boss, we'll we be there. You'll hear from Miss Case. Miss Case, call the Manhattan Club and reserve a table. I'm going to have a dinner party. Very well. I want Gunnigan there and Axford. Uh, Axford? Yes, also Ed Lowry. Uh, oh, by the way, you might come. 
I? Yes, uh, get the table and extend the invitations. I'll send Axford to your apartment to pick you up. But I don't understand... No, you might call Cato for me and tell him I'm on the way home. Keep your shirt on, Lowry. I don't know what it's all about any more than you do. All I know is what I told you. Britt Reed has taken us to dinner at the Manhattan, and you'd better be there. I thought for a while he was showing a flash of his old man. But I guess he's just a playboy after all. I'll see you there. Goodbye. You mean I have to call for you, Casey? That you are, Michael. That you are. And Reed's taking the lot of us to dinner? Oh, don't ask me why. All I know is that Andrew Blake and Councilman Wiggins are going to have dinner in the same place. <laughs> Golly, Reed's going to make a regular playboy out of me. <laughs> Axford, dressed for dinner early. It was only eight o'clock when he left Britt Reed's apartment. It was then the young publisher called Cato, his faithful valet, into his bedroom. Cato was the only living person who knew that Britt Reed was the character that had been long sought for by both police and underworld, the Green Hornet. Has Axford left Cato? Oh, yes, Mr. Britt. <laughs> I counted on him leaving a couple of hours ahead of time. Well, he said he wanted to stop by police headquarters. <laughs> of course he did. He wants to show off his dinner jacket. <laughs> <laughs> well, what time do you wish to go to dinner, Mr. Brith? Kato, uh, we're leaving the apartment right now. We have a call to make before dinner. Get the mask and gun. Well, you mean, Mr. Brith, you go out now as Green Hornet? Yes, Kato. I'll have to watch my voice. Change it enough so Blake won't recognize me. Well, that great risk. Not so much. We're very casual acquaintances. Come along. I want to call on Andrew Blake before he keeps his appointment with Councilman Wiggins. Stepping through a secret panel in the rear of a closet in the bedroom, Britt Reed and Cato went along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the apartment itself. This passage led to an adjoining building which fronted on a dark side street. Though supposedly abandoned, this building served as the hiding place for the sleek, super-powered, black beauty, streamlined car of the Green Hornet. <laughs> Britt Reed pressed a button. The great car rode into life. The wall in front raised automatically, then closed as the gleaming black beauty sped into the darkness. else, Mr. Blake? Uh, no, Fletcher. Not at present. I want my car at 9.30. But you may leave it at the door. I'll drive it myself. Yes, sir. Until then, I'll be in the library, but I don't wish to be disturbed. Very well, sir. Um, by the way, there seems to be a draft coming from the library. Are the French doors open? Oh, no, sir. At least they weren't when I was in there a little while ago to set the fireplace. Uh, very well. Good night, Fletcher. Good night, sir. To 
Tonight's payoff should produce some substantial returns. Here in this drawer. I guess this wallet will hold it. Mm, curious. I feel as if someone were in this room. Keep your hands on the desk, Blake. Stay right where you are and don't make trouble for yourself or for me. That mask. You, the Green Hornet. You know why I'm here. No, no, I don't. What do you want? If you're here to rob me... I wouldn't call it that. Just the payoff. That's all, Blake. Where did you come from? From behind those heavy drapes. You uh, should have cleaned them, Blake. They're dusty. I found myself wanting to sneeze. Move back. I'll see what's in this desk. But I let... Move uh, back. Yes. Yes, of course. Don't shoot. That depends on what you have here in this desk. There's $50 in that wallet. If it's money you want, take it. Take it and go. (laughs) Pin money. $50 isn't enough. What do you want? I came to collect quite a bit more. How much? Well, originally, Blank, it was $500. That's what you paid young Anderson for my friend's idea. Young Anderson? Sure. You don't suppose that traffic light was Anderson's idea, do you? What he said? He's flat. (laughs) I can't collect from him, so I'll collect from you. You didn't pay enough anyway. A little more won't break you now that the city's going to adopt the light. But $50 is all that I... There's a checkbook in that drawer. Take it out and write a check. A check? Certainly. Make it out to cash. For $500? Hardly. I think my friend should have at least a thousand net. You... You mean I should write a check for a thousand dollars? I said my friend should have a thousand dollars net. After I deduct my collection fee. Make out your check for two thousand. Go ahead, Blake. Start writing. And be sure to spell your name correctly. If there's any difficulty in cashing this check, the price will be doubled. Yes. Yes, of course. I'll make out your check. Two thousand dollars, eh? Make it out to cash. I didn't know Anderson had stolen that idea from someone. Please stop waving that gun in front of me. Finish that check and you'll see the last of this gun. Here you are. Many thanks. And don't look so smug, Blake. If you try to stop payment on this check, you'll regret it. Good evening. Kiddo. Here, take the mask and weapon. Oh, I have them. This hat, my overcoat. Take them to the car. Oh, here is other hat and coat. Oh, good. I'll walk half a mile or so and then pick up a cab and go to the Manhattan Club. You know what you're to do. Oh, yes, Mr. Britt, I know. I'll look in there. Blake's still sitting at his desk. Probably waiting to make sure I've gone. Yes, sir. I'll stay here and watch while you drive away in the car. I've got to know whether he reports this incident to the police or counts on trapping a hornet... Tries to cash this check. Will he not have cash? He'll have plenty of cash if he's going to pay off Wiggins. I got what I wanted. A check. I'll meet you later, just as we planned, at the Manhattan Club. I'll get going. Yes, sir.
I thought you could take me home. No, sure thing. We could drop Katie at the way. Well, I like that. Good evening. Would you please pass the road? Yeah, thank you. Oh, by the way, Gunnigan, Blake or Wiggins show up before I got here? We won't see anything of them. No? They're meeting in a private room. A small room in the rear that has an entrance of its own. Well, then Lowry was right. They are to meet here. Yeah, but no publicity about it. Look, Mr. Reed, did you plan this dinner expecting to see Blake and Wiggins with their heads together over a table in this room? Well, uh, it uh, would have made a good story. Uh, you've wasted your money. Men like Blake and Wiggins don't operate that way. Well, I guess I have a lot to learn, eh, Gunnigan? Yes, I... Oh, here's the waiter. We might as well order. Mr. Reed? Yes? You're wanted on the telephone, sir. Oh, uh, all right, thanks. You folks go ahead and order. Axford, you can order for me. You know what I like. Yeah, sure thing, Reed. <laughs> Brett Reed knew that the call had been made by Cato from a store across the street. He knew also that Cato was not waiting on the line. He paused at the phone booth only long enough to hang up the instrument and make sure he was not observed as he slipped out the side door. As he ran to the rear of the building where Cato waited in the shadows, he drew on a pair of thin silk gloves. Let's have it, Cato. Well, Miss Blake is in private room alone. Miss Wiggins not there yet. Well, let's have the mask. Oh, here. I got the coat and hat ready. Where did you leave the black beauty? Oh, it's right over there. Good. You sure Blake's in there alone? Yes, Mr. Blake. Put those goggles over your eyes, Cato, and stand by the door while I dispose of Blake. Will you go in now? Right now. Well, but you. Yes, Blake. And there's no time for talk. No. No, don't. Sorry. Uh. Quite painless and in the long run harmless. All right, Cato, come in and lock the door. Yes, sir. I'll lock the door to the other part of the restaurant. You've got that closet door open. We'll put Blake in there. I hope waiter does not come too soon. These schemers probably made arrangements not to be disturbed. There. He'll be all right in that closet. Now, let's see what he has in his wallet. Well, here is wallet. Good. Yeah, well filled, too. Lots of cash here. Put this empty wallet back in Blake's pocket and shut the closet door. Oh, yes, sir. Here. Here's $2,000 of Blake's money. You have the envelope addressed to our friend? Yeah, that's right here. Don't touch it without gloves. Put this $2,000 into it, seal it, and drop it in the mailbox. What about the rest of the money? Blake brought it to pay off Wiggins. We'll see that Wiggins gets it. I have an envelope I took from Blake's desk. <laughs> Blake's name's engraved on it. Wiggins will be $2,000 short. Not at all, Kato. I have a check here. A check for $2,000, signed by Blake and made out to cash. I'll let Wiggins have that instead of the cash we took. There. I'll get out of here and wait where I said. Were you going to stay and wait for Mr. Wiggins? Yes. I think I'll have long to wait. That looks like his car. Go on, Cato. Get down by the other door. As Cato moved away in the darkness, Rick waited inside the room with the door open just far enough to watch the approach of Councilman Wiggins. 
His tune won't be so gay when he leaves here. The Green Hornet stepped back against the wall and waited until Wiggins entered the room and closed the door. <laughs> yes, I'm here ahead of him. No, you're not. Just a little too soon, Wiggins. What the... That mask. The Green Hornet. Yes. If you'd been here a minute later, I'd have been away from here with that envelope Blake left for you. As it is, I'll have to dispose it. No. No. Help! Help! Confound it. This gun didn't work. I have to throttle you. Help! The Green Hornet. Come away. Confound you, Wiggins. This will hold you. Now to get out of here. While men pounded on the locked door, Britt Reed ran along the side of the building, taking off his mask and coat, which he tossed to Cato, who was waiting. He was back inside the restaurant near the telephone booth by the time Wiggins had sufficiently recovered to unlock the door to the private room. What's going on? We heard your yell. What happened? He, he was here. He, he, who was here? He, he went that way. The door. It, it was the green horn. Let me see. Something snakes. Look, there he goes. Oh, it's the Green Hornet. What's all the excitement? Hey, Reed, it's Mr. Reed, just in time. Hey, Reed, the Hornet was just here. The Hornet? Oh, pardon me, please. Pardon me. Oh, uh, hello, Councilman Wiggins. What are you doing here? I, I was well, just about uh, to ask him the same thing, boss. Are you here alone, Wiggins? Uh, the Green Hornet was here. He just left. Did he drop that envelope by the door? Sure enough. There's an envelope. That's my envelope. Give it to me. Oh, just a minute. Well, let me see it, Axford. Oh, this is Andrew Blake stationary. The Green Hornet tried to steal it. He was going to shoot me, but his gun failed. Then he tried to choke me. He, he wanted that envelope. Oh, golly. Mr. Reed, give me that envelope. Give it here, I tell you, it's mine. It isn't sealed. Wait, listen to me. Money. Hey, Gunnigan, look at this. Uh-oh. You say this is yours, Wiggins? I, we, well, that is, Mr. Blake, he thought Andrew that Blake I... owns the never-failed traffic light. That doesn't mean a thing. You've been instrumental in selling that light to the city fathers, haven't you, Wiggins? No, no. I, I mean, yes. If the council decides to use the light, Blake will clean up. Did Blake give you this cash as a bribe? No, no, that's my money. I, I just happened to have an envelope. You say I... this money didn't come from Blake? Of course it didn't. Then what about this $2,000 check made out to cash and signed by Blake? But, check. That does it. Oh, brother, what a story. Now wait, wait, gentlemen, of that money. Uh, listen to me, I can tell Have you. any of you seen Blake? Did you look for him? He must be around here somewhere. The only place he could be hiding is in that closet. I'll take a look. He's not here, I tell you. You can't. Now take it easy, Wiggins. Suffering snakes. Look at here. Hey, look. What is it? Andrew Blake. Is he dead? What's happened to him? Pull him out of there. He's breathing. Wiggins, you told us Blake wasn't here. I, I didn't know he was in there. The answer seems to be pretty obvious. Blake came here to pay you off. And the Green Hornet got here to steal the money. Gunnigan, you're an old hand in the newspaper business. Where will this put Andrew Blake? Right square behind the eight ball. <laughs> and he's the guy that was going to sue us for libel. Oh, brother. Wait till he sees tomorrow's sentinel. No, and no. And you better talk, Wiggins, and talk fast. And it better not be double talk. And did he talk, Mr. Britt? Yes, Cato. <laughs> He's withdrawing his proposal to replace the city's traffic lights. And Blake has changed his mind about a libel suit. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> yeah, but I'm afraid Gunnigan has not withdrawn his opinion of me. Still thinks I'm a playboy. 
But I guess I can't blame him. While he and Lowry at Oxford were getting material for a Sentinel Extra, I was dancing with Miss Case. By the way, Cato, did you put that envelope in the mail? Oh, yes, Mr. Britt. With $2,000. Well, Jimmy Anderson will never know where it came from. But I'll bet it'll come in handy to pay that hospital bill and get him on his feet until he starts to work for the Sentinel. Oh, extra paper on streets now. Open the window, will you, Cato? The newsboy's shouts make an ideal lullaby for me tonight. Copyrighted dramas originate in the studios of WXYZ Detroit, and all characters, names, places, and incidents used are fictitious. Hal Neal speaking. Now, here's a special program note. For the finest in music, played by the finest of orchestras, join us for the Boston Symphony Concert Program. Remember, the Boston Symphony's on the air tonight over this ABC station. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.